Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to put my water bottle up here today. I think that, thank you. You know, this is life. You make mistakes, you learn from them, you grow, and you, you know, do things better the next time. Um, where's Lua? Lua? The person I kidnapped last night? This is, I would like to say that I'm sorry for kidnapping you. And here is a $10 gift card to the ranch store. Thank you, Lua. Please don't hold it against me. Thank you. Okay. Um, did, I did. Do you don't remember that? I kidnapped somebody, but I returned them. So can I kidnap you? No, I'm done. I'm putting my kidnapping ways behind me. Um, uh, did anybody since you got here last night be like, I forgot something. You forgot your water bottle. You forgot a flashlight, a towel. what did you forget? Bible. Well, I'm going to put the verse on the screen. What'd you forget? So many of you guys forgot things, but I can't hold it against you because I also forgot something. I forgot to pack shirts. Hey, that's not a bad idea. I could buy a shirt from the RBR store. That's true. They have very cool shirts. Currently, don't tell anybody I'm wearing one of my wife's shirts right now. Is it cute? It slays. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, well, here we are once again. Let's do a little uh, pop quiz. You guys like pops quiz, right? We're going to review what we talked about last night. First up, what are their names? Who knows? Uh, give me one, give me one. Um, I don't know their name, but isn't it like... The question was, what are their names? I put the microphone to her mouth. She said, I don't know their names. Nux, Nux. I will accept Nux. Which one? Which one is Nux? On the right? False. I'd take it back. James. Which one's James? I don't know. The younger Were you guys even paying attention last night? Okay, so the one on the right, that's uh baby James. And then the one on the left, that's Knuckles. Nux, yes. All right, we'll take it. Manny and James, sweet baby James, Nux. Um, so maybe you guys were paying attention last night. Um, you know, how many people are parents in here? Show of hands, parents. It's the best, right? And also, it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, these boys are the treasure of my life, um, but they can be a little difficult sometimes. And every once in a while, I think, I wish I could go back in time to when they were, you know, still in the factory, as it were. And if, if it were possible to make them just always love me and always obey me, you know, wouldn't that be nice? No, I didn't really get much of a reaction. Okay, if your parents 
before you were born could like somehow alter your DNA so that you could always love them and obey them, would you want them to do that? No. Why not? You would have to do everything they say, but don't they, don't they, but they wouldn't ask you to lick the toilet. Who are your parents? Your parents love you, right? They want what's best for you. <laughs> okay, so you're telling me, because I mean, science and technology, we're moving. We're like doing stuff these days. If it ever becomes possible for parents to like alter the DNA of babies so they were totally obedient and loved their parents always. They should or should not do that. They should not do that. Okay. Well, if we have another one and the technology is available, I will consider it. But it sounds pretty nice because then, then I wouldn't get kicked at bedtime and I wouldn't have timeouts and fits in the grocery store. It's fine. It's fine. I love them. Okay, so we said uh, the verse that I'm, I'm operating off of this weekend is, is this quote from Jesus in John 10.10. 10. He says, I have come that they may have and have it, that they may have life and have it abundantly. We looked at the four-part gospel. Where are our four parts? If you could just stand up, please, where you are. There, okay, and just shout it out. Wait, where's Alex? What are you? What were you last night? Fall, Graceland, and you gotta stand up, Josh. You gotta stand up. Say it nice and loud for everyone to hear. I can't hear you. That a boy. All right, we looked at the four parts of the gospel, um, and we started at creation. And we talked about how God made everything. He was the source of everything. And in his goodness, the world existed, was made, and for a time, stayed that way. He looked over everything he had made. He said, it's very good. And we talked about um, it was the creator world was kind of safe in the protection of God and in his goodness. Our takeaway last night was in the creation story, we see God's desire for humanity, relationship, healthy, good, strong relationships, people to God, people to other people, and people to the natural environment, purpose in their life to, to take those healthy, strong relationships and multiply them and fill the earth with healthy, strong community um, and, and mankind. And in doing those two things, you live into what God made you for and you experience abundant life. Pause. Do we see that in the world today? Somebody said no. You mean yes? Maybe. I'm getting all the answers sometimes, right? Okay. So here's the thing. We're coming into this part called the fall. That is the way things were, and that is what God intended. But we see around us, and we experience some healthy, good, strong relationships we also experience some not so good ones. We feel maybe sometimes like I'm living into my purpose. I am, I am filling the earth with good things by, by my kindness, by my love, right? I, I experience maybe a taste of this abundant life, but we have fallen 
as as a people, as a as a as a humanity, we have fallen away from this perfection, and that's unfortunately what we have to talk about this morning. It's just it's a part of the story. It's a part of God's story, and it's a part of our story as well. So we didn't get too far into the Bible before it all falls apart. So the Lord God placed the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Wait a second. Where did death come from? All we saw last night was life and light and joy and peace. But now what we come to understand is God is giving people a choice. And we come to understand that even though this is all we know, it is not all that is. Because God's saying, if you want, you can stay in here. But there is not God. We would call that sin. Anything that that is outside of God's will, of what he desires, anything that is not love, that is not peace, that is not joy, any of these things, we can choose to step outside of it, even though they were created in it and for it. This begs the question, why would God create us with the capacity to choose to live apart from him? Anybody have any ideas? Why would he do that? If he knows what's best for us, why would he do that? Yeah, just shout it out. He wants us to have free will. We get to choose. Freedom of making choices. But if we're just going to choose to hurt ourselves, then what good is it? Freedom of speech. What is it? I can't hear you. Wants us to learn, wants us to make the right choice. I will go back to what we were just talking about. What'd you say? That's it. That's it. I just asked you guys like two minutes ago, if I could program my boys to love me forever, you guys were like, no, that's terrible. You shouldn't do that to somebody. Why? Because it would be a a fake relationship. If they were like, Yes, Father, we love you, Daddy. Uh, 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 I will wash the dishes. What is that? That's not real. It's awful, right? So because God loves us, he said, you know what? I want this relationship to be real. I want there to be emotion and feeling and heart and authenticity. Those are the best kind of of relationships. And so, yeah, God, God made humanity and, and he wanted what was best for them, but included in what was best for them was the freedom to choose it or not. And there may be some of us in this room who are asking, well, why do I have to choose between like God and not God, love and uh, what, was, what was the comparison? selfishness? Why do I have to choose between joy and despair? Why do I have to choose between freedom and slavery, right? I'll go back to my boys. Here's the thing. If one of my boys, I'm trying to teach them to love each other, right? To be kind to each other, to share, all of those things. 
Sometimes, and just because he's older and he knows better, I'll pick on Manny. Sometimes Manny will like, he'll want to play with a toy that, that sweet baby James is playing with and he'll walk over, he'll snatch it out of his hand and James will fall over. Would I be a good dad if I just stood there? Baby's crying on the floor. The, the big brother, who's like twice his size, just bulldozed him and took it. Would I be a good dad if I just let it happen? No, I would not be a good dad. Now, now, I don't go off the rails and like knock him over and be like, how dare you, you're the worst. Ah, you know? I gently, and as much as it can depend on me, try not to fight with him. If he wants to fight, I mean, he's going to try to fight me. But as much as I can, I get down on his level. I hold his hands and I'm like, buddy, look at your brother. He's crying. He, you knocked him over. You hurt his feelings, whatever. This may result in a timeout. This may result in me taking the toy away from him. There are consequences, right? Because I'm a loving father to sweet baby James, he's over here like, dad, what the heck? And I'm like, don't worry. I see you. I see that you're hurt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address it. I'm going to take care of it. But then also for Manny, I don't want him walking around bulldozing everyone in his life. Who wants to be friends with somebody like that? If I allow him to grow up that way, without teaching him how to be kind, how to be friendly, how to share, he's going to be a little monster and he's not going to have any friends. And I don't want that for him. So even in, in punishing him in disciplining him and giving him consequences, I am loving him because I'm trying to be a good dad. I am far from the father that God is. So even though we existed in this perfect place with God, we didn't get too far. And Genesis 3 tells the story of how man, woman, how humanity chose to live outside of God. Watch this video. Maybe. Yeah. There's what? Oh, a ticket. Okay, well... I don't know if the video's going to play. I'll explain it to you like this. Outside of God is not just, hey, it wasn't me this time. Um, outside of God is not just these things. Outside of God is God's enemy. Anybody familiar with um, the person, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever? Um, uh, to the best of our understanding, um, the way, uh, again, people much smarter than me have come to understand this. There was like an angel who wanted to be God. He wanted God's place on the throne. Not sure why. Um, but God, since he's all powerful was like, no, you need to leave. Um, and this being, you can call him Satan, the devil, he then comes down into God's perfect world and he deceives the people there. And he, and he tricks them into disobeying God. Now, they were a little bit at fault, right? Because he, he, told, he, he, he convinced them to do something God had told them not to do and they knew they weren't supposed to do it, right? 
we looked at that passage a little bit ago that said, um, uh, of any tree you can, you can choose to eat, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat it, you're going to die. Because God had created people to live forever. In a world without disease and decay, there will be no death, right? They were supposed to live forever. But they chose to take of that fruit because they wanted to be like God. Now, wanting to be like God is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like as Christians today, we often talk about how we want to be transformed into the image of Jesus, God's son, right? That's in scripture. We're supposed to try to to do that. But when God explicitly tells you, don't do this, and we try to to go for it anyway, it doesn't matter because woven into the, the desire to be like God, there is rebellion. There is sinfulness woven into that. And man, do we see it. I mean, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. I grew up all, you know, the whole way through. It's been, it's my culture, right? Like Christians are my people. Even before I was a Christian, it was like, I, uh, these are my people. And, and you see it, it, when you spend enough time with Christians woven into our good desires, are some selfish desires, right? Adults, there <laughs> is some brokenness, is some sinfulness. And that's what happened in the garden. And they stepped outside of God. They chose not God. They chose to sin. And when they stepped outside of God, they plunged the planet into all of these things. Now, because God is loving, he created a way to have relationship with him again. We're going to look at that more tonight but he created a way, right? So, so for the rest of time, humanity is kind of caught between uh, experiencing the goodness of God, but also experiencing the brokenness, the sinfulness of the world. There's a, there's a verse I really like. Um, man, if anybody knows it, holler it out. It says, like, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. I guess any adults here know that verse. Basically, what, what it's saying is like, there is a general goodness that exists in our world that whether or not you know and love God, you experience his goodness, right? We looked at last night, God is the source of love. Anybody, whether they know God or not, if they experience real, true, self-sacrificing love, God is the source of that. Whether or not they, they believe that, whether or not they claim that, whether or not they want it to be true. We said last night, God is the source of love. So whether or not we know and love God, we can still experience him. But now we have this choice. It's like, oh, oh, over here. I'm going to follow God today. I'm going to follow myself tomorrow. Bah, bah, back and forth. And all throughout the story of the Bible, we see people like Noah. It gets bad right? Some crazy stuff happening in Genesis 6. God's like, you know what? We're going to hit the reset button. I'm going to flood the earth. Noah is a good dude. He's, he, he, wants to, he wants to be with me more than he doesn't. So we're going we're gonna to pick him. We're going to kind of like restart the world. So he does that. It's kind of crazy, kind of wild. Like everybody dies except for Noah. Have you guys seen that YouTube video? If you, okay. How many of you guys are on YouTube? 
have a YouTube account. I'm like, okay. I think the video is called The Story of the Bible. It is a two-second video of Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants. And he just goes, everybody dies. It's very funny. Do you want to know? That's it. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Um, so we get to Noah, restart the world. Here's his family. And then like, I don't even know, not much long after like the flood goes away and they're supposed to start this new world. Noah gets like super drunk and like wiles out. Okay. So God was trying to start a new world with Noah, but Noah brought his brokenness. Okay. So it's not Noah. He's not going to be the one that restores us to God. Then, then comes along Abram and Sarai, these two people. God's like, you know what? Abram's a good dude. Sarai's a good lady. I'm going to, I'm going to take from the people who exist because I'm never going to flood the world again. I'm never going to like take everybody out again. We're going to, we're going to pick a special family and and we're going to make the world a better place with this family. And he's like, okay, Abram, you're going to, you know, have a baby with Sarai. And they're like, we're way too old. So even though God said, I'm going to make it happen, Abram takes one of his servants and has a baby with her instead. Drama, right? Not what they were supposed to do. God wanted to start this new family with Abram and Sarai. And they, they loved the Lord, but they brought their brokenness into this new family. Moses. God's people were in captivity in Egypt, and God's like, you know what? I'm going to take you out of captivity. I'm going to establish a kingdom with you. Moses is going to lead you there. Moses is a hot mess. He's a rageaholic. Moses killed somebody because he, he was upset with them, right? So God's like, I'm going to start this new kingdom. I'm going to use Moses, and Moses drags his brokenness into this new kingdom, We have King David, probably the greatest example of people getting their hopes up. King David, he's like, he's he's this great guy. God calls him a man after his own heart. David's like killing lions with his bare hands. You guys know David with the slingshot and he like not killed the giant. You guys know that story, right? Because he trusted God. He had faith in God. That's wild, right? I don't know if I could do that. That's just crazy. So Everybody's like, man, maybe, and, and David becomes king, and he's king of Israel, and he's, you know, leading God's people, and he sleeps with somebody else's wife, and then he has her husband killed. The heck, right? God wanted to establish a kingship in David, but David dragged his brokenness into it, all of humanity. We experienced it all around. We took this broken world that God had made and destroyed it with sin, with brokenness. <gasps> now listen, I'm going to leave this up here for a while because I want, I want this, when, when we see this, I want us to think about the brokenness we experience in our life. Okay? When you experience brokenness, hurt, pain, suffering, when you see it, when you're scrolling and you see a war in the Middle East, when you're scrolling and you see uh, division because of race or politics or whatever, when you're, you know, you see all this stuff, you experience all this stuff, this brokenness, a lot of times we're tempted to say, God, why would you let this happen? Who did this? 
I did this. You did this. The first beings did this. And from this moment, bad choice, bad choice, bad choice, good choice, bad choice, bad choice. We are thousands in years of trillions and trillions of decisions of choosing not God. His heart hurts for the brokenness of the world. It's never what he wanted. So, so when you see the brokenness and there's, there's a pain in you, do you remember last night when we said we are made in the image of God? You guys remember that? It's a very complex idea. But what that means essentially is every person, whether or not they know and love God, bears his image. Not in necessarily our physical appearance, but in that pain that we feel when we see and experience brokenness, that's the image of God hurting for something that never should have existed. When we feel that, and we turn to God and we look to him to blame him, we are, we are following his enemy who lies. In the very beginning, he lied and deceived them. And when we feel that hurt and pain, we see the brokenness of the world, God's enemy is in our ear going, how could a loving God, dot, dot, dot. How could a good God, dot, dot, dot. It's not him. He loves us. He gave us a choice. We screwed it up. He hurts like we hurt when we see the brokenness. And it's difficult. The apostle Paul talks about it like this. He says, the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I do not want to do. Who will set me free? He experienced what we experience. Um, where's my phone? Okay, I want to try something really quick. Who's, who wants to do something with me really fast? So I'm going to go to the back. Back doesn't get a lot of love. This guy right here, glasses, blue shirt. I'm coming over. Just okay, excuse me, boys. Just come on, come this way. Okay. What's your name? Nathaniel. Nathaniel. I'm Elijah. It's nice to meet you. Everyone say hi, Nathaniel. Hi, Nathaniel. Um, Nathaniel, uh, how old are you? Ten. Ten. What grade are you in? Uh, what? Fifth grade. That's awesome. Um, can you say the word silk five times? Silk, 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 silk. That was five? Yes? Okay. Can you spell the word silk? S-I-L-K. No. Oh, no, no, just the one time. That's okay. That was confusing. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Um, what do cows drink? Water. Oh, I heard somebody do it. Okay, Nathaniel, I have a gift, gift certificate for you. Here you go. Everybody give it up for Nathaniel. He didn't really help me with my analogy. You know what I wanted him to say. Okay, has anybody ever fallen for that before? A hundred percent. I was up last night and I was like looking up all these riddles. I screenshot on my phone and then I have no idea where my phone is. So I just did that one off the top. But um, so, so the idea for, for the times and for those who say, yes, I've fallen for that before. I've said cows drink milk. If you start with, if I had started with, you know, with the, that time that you fell for it, if somebody started with, what do cows drink? You'd be like, water. 
right? But we got distracted because stuff, other stuff was happening, right? And that's what happens in life, you guys. If I, if I came up to you and I was like, do you ever want to call somebody the B word? You'd be like, no, of course not. That's terrible. But stuff happens. We get angry. We legitimize. They hurt my feelings. They did something to my friend. Next thing you know, blah, we have now done something. We have, we have, we have uh, lobbed an assault towards another person, a verbal assault. We have sinned against them. We have taken one of the one thing, one of the few things we were created for is healthy, strong relationships. And now we have chosen to bring uh, brokenness into that relationship. That's just one example. That's what happens, you guys. Life happens and we get lost in it and we don't do the right thing. Just like Paul says, the good things I want to do I forget. I get caught in, in the mess and in the brokenness of the world around me, and I can't do the right thing. It happens to all of us. In this, in all this brokenness, this is so important for us to remember that God is for us. We said last night that he, he wants what's best for us, good, strong, healthy relationships, to have a purpose in life, to care for one another, to care for the planet, right? And have an abundant life. That never changed in all the craziness, in, in, in the murder, in the enslavement, in the adultery, in all the brokenness, in the darkness. God is not up there going like, oh, these people. He's like, oh, these people. His heart is breaking. He's longing for us to, to be restored, to be redeemed to what he made us for. If you want proof, let's look at the Bible. 2 Peter 3.9, one of Jesus' closest friends, again, says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Micah 7, 18 and 19, who is a God like you pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He delights in it. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities, not us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. First Timothy 2, uh, 2.34, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord in Ezekiel 33.11, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn. You guys, close your eyes. Let's do this really quick. Close your eyes. Um, I want you to think of a person when I say the word wicked. That might not be good. You probably all picture the witch from the Wizard of Oz. Okay, never mind. Close your eyes. Start over. Start over. Start over. Start over. Okay, close your eyes. Think of a person when I say the word evil. A real person. Not a fictional person. A real person. When I say the word evil. Look up at me. God loves that person. God takes no pleasure when they experience the brokenness of the world, even if it's their own 
shenanigans coming back on them. God does not delight in that. He wants them to repent and experience love and joy and peace. Some of us may have a hard time with that. Some of us are like, no, that person deserves. But you know what? What is the beauty of that? Is that God loves everyone. Who's a part of everyone? You are. You are. You are. You are. You are. You are. We all are. God desires for all of us to repent, to turn, and to live, not to experience the brokenness of the world. Um, I've been talking for a while. You guys want a story? Another funny story? From my, from my youth. Okay, who knows what a mohawk is? Does anybody have a mohawk? You used to? I also used to. Anybody? Mohawk? Have one right now? No? Okay. If you're unfamiliar, again, because I was cool, um, you shave the sides of your head like so, and then there are many different ways to make your hair stand up straight, just like in a line like this, all the way to the back, okay? And remember, I was a cool kid, so I had a mohawk with my saggy pants. And, oh my gosh, <laughs> and at first, I used glue, okay? It dries very quickly, so, and it's, it like, it dries hard. So I would put glue in my hands, and I would just really quickly just like shove my hair up. There's two problems with this. One, my hair was like whitish, which is not a good look. You could see the glue in my hair. And then two, my hands were all sticky, which is like sometimes it's fun. Has anybody ever like put glue on your hand, let it dry, and then peel it off? That's fun to do, but like every single morning starting your day that way, I wasn't about it. So one of my friends who had a mohawk before was like, you know, you can just use a, like a barely wet bar of soap and it works just as well. You can right, just rinse it right off your hands. It holds your hair up really well. You don't see anything in your hair. I was like, this is great. So I started doing that. It worked amazing. One day, I get off the bus and I'm walking home. I'm oh, sorry. I'm walking home and it starts to rain. And I'm like, oh man, this stinks. Uh, you know, I can't run because, you know, the pants. And all of a sudden my eyes start burning. And I'm like, oh, good. I didn't know, I thought like cleaning product was raining from the sky. I did not understand what's happening. I, I have to like blindly make my way to a mailbox. And then I just like walk along the side of the road feeling mailboxes until I like feel one that feels like it's maybe our mailbox and I like get to the house. So what happened was the rain was hitting the soap in my hair and the soap was just coming down and going all in my eyes. It's terrible. Um, I shaved my mohawk. That was it. I couldn't do it anymore. I learned my lesson because I mature and I grow as a person. I learn from my mistakes. Am I invalidating myself? Are you guys all like, man, he's an idiot. I don't want to listen to anything this guy says. Um, okay. I'm, I'm kind of going long, so I'm going to kind of run through here really quick. Okay, so Jesus, Son of God, I have come. They may have life, have it abundantly. 
there is a first part of this quote, a first part of this verse I have not shared with you yet. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is in the middle of a a parable Jesus is telling about him being a shepherd and the thief comes to steal the sheep, whatever. He's comparing himself and the devil, okay? So, So he says, this is what he is about, stealing killing, destroying. I am about giving you life abundantly. God loves us so much that he hates the sin that is destroying our relationships, stealing our purpose for life, and ultimately it will kill us. So, because God is a good dad, much better than me, because he loves us, his people that he made, God is going to destroy the devil completely. He will do this. He's told us he's going to do it. We know he will do it. Paul says in Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Does anybody feel like that's a little contradictory? The God of peace will crush, right? Who's the source of peace? Who defines peace, right? So if this is what God must do to attain peace for us, to be peace, this is, this is what peace looks like for God. He's going to crush and defeat and destroy and end our enemy, his enemy, the devil. Also going to overcome the power of sin and the finality of death. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, sin results in death. We see this. Those first people who were supposed to live forever, they sinned. They chose not God and they ultimately died when they were not supposed to. And then every person since has died, Right? It's, it's what happens to us now because sin is a corrupting force. Even in the natural world, it leads to death, right? But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through who? Jesus. That's like the softball answer, right? Just crank that out of the park. Yes, through Jesus, we have victory over sin and death. God will destroy the devil completely. God will overcome the power of sin and the finality of death totally. So our takeaway for today is God still wants us to experience all that he created us for in order to restore creation to the way it was in the beginning. God's enemy and his devices, sin and death, will be destroyed. Now, why does this matter? What does this have to do with you? Why should you care? We have two choices, okay? Sin is uh, like cancer in a way, okay? One of the treatments for cancer is radiation. So basically, this very destructive force is cast upon the location of where the cancer exists in a person's body in order to eliminate the cancer. But it slowly is destroying the person, right? What is, what is intended for their good is causing them harm, okay? We're going to get into this tonight, but God makes it possible for us to take the sin like if it were cancer, to just take it away from us, okay? But what that looks like is no more selfishness, no more doing things my way, 
and that's hard. So for some of us, we say, no, thank you, God. I would like to keep doing things my way. Um, but because he loves us, he's, he's going to destroy sin. And I love you guys too much to not tell you that if you don't let go of your sin, you will also be destroyed. Not because God wants to destroy you. Not because he's like, you're a terrible person. He's just trying to get rid of sin. He's just trying to get rid of the darkness and the corruption that exists so he can redeem the world back to what it was. That's why that verse we looked at it before, God's not slow in his promise, right? It's been over 2,000 years since Jesus. And we've seen a lot of brokenness and a lot of darkness in that time. God is not slow. He will destroy Satan and he will defeat and get rid of sin and death forever. But he's, he's being patient because he wants us to come to know him. Every day he waits to, to, to destroy those things is another day that anybody has a chance to turn to God and to experience the life they were created for. But too many of us, we love that sin too much. We love doing things our way too much. And if we don't let go, slowly over time and ultimately, it will destroy you. It's not what God wants for you. He loves you. He wants you to have abundant life. He wants you to experience joy, to have peace regardless of your circumstances. That's what he wants for you. The brokenness is us. So what are we going to do? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the time we've had to be together this morning. God, I thank you for my friends in this room. Um, Man, there's so many people in here. I, I couldn't begin to know what everybody's going through, what everybody's experiences have been, but you know. Um, and so, God, I'm trusting that um, as we just have this conversation, you will, um, you will bring the truth to them that they need to hear. Um, you will convey your great love that you have for them. Um, God, for anybody that's, that's wrestling um, with, with this concept, with this decision. Um, Lord, I pray that you would gift them the gift of faith. Um, I know I did nothing. I did not earn my relationship with you. Um, I just had to stop running away. I had to, I had to let go. That's it because you're pursuing us. You want to have relationship with us. Give them the faith, Lord, to believe that you are who you say you are, that you have done what you say you've done and that you will do what you say you're going to do. God, give them the taste. Just give them a taste of what that abundant life is like. I know once we experience you in your goodness and your fullness, there's nothing worth holding on to. We love you, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. 
Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.